Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we are cutting through the matrix on the 3rd of December 2010. Now I always suggest that newcomers to the show go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll see all the official sites I have listed there. Bookmark them for future use in case the column goes down again or if you find sticky downloads on audios and so on, you can try these alternate sites. And while you're there, too, remember that you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't ask for money, or sorry, refuse money from advertisers so far. Uh, the ads you hear in this show are paid by advertisers directly to RBN. They bypass me completely, and that pays for the broadcast and the staff, the equipment, and uh, the bills at RBN. And so you can help me with my bills by buying the books and so on I have for sale that you'll see listed on cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase them with a personal check. You can use an international postal money order from your post office. Uh, you can send cash. And you can use PayPal to donate or to order. If you wish to purchase with PayPal, just give me the donation to send that off, uh, followed by an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. And that goes for across the world, too. For across the world, you're stuck really with um, PayPal, for ordering and through the donation button, send a separate email with your name, address, and order. And you can also use Western Union, which is a bit hefty, a bit steep. Or you can use, I think it's MoneyGram, which can wire the money, same as Western Union. Or it can you can actually get a check from them on your side and post it. It's far cheaper. Some people still send cash. As I say, some, most folk just use PayPal today. That's how it all seems to be going. And that will help me take along, hopefully. And I don't give you books with masses of um, who won the Battle of Waterloo and all that nonsense, because really it really is nonsense. We're fed nonsense. We're already in, we've been in our, our whole lifetime, the scientific socialist society, where they tell you what to believe, and they tell you what you're to learn at school, and so on. And it really is irrelevant to you, except to know that the, the same elite down through the ages have run the same system. But then they know where they're going with it, too. They have a definite plan of where they're taking the entire planet when you see hundreds and thousands of NGOs and hundreds and hundreds of think tanks running them and financing them with billions of dollars, uh, this isn't some sporadic grassroots thing whatsoever. It's a plan, of course, to bring in the, the scientifically experts, expert-guided society. And we're living through the biggest changes right now. And that's why I'm on the air. And that's the only reason I came out, to try and share the experience and knowledge that I've gained by asking the right questions all through my life and checking them out at libraries, and so on, trying to find what on earth was really going on, because the media isn't there to tell you. So, as I say, you help me out by going in and ordering those things, and hopefully I can keep going for a bit longer. If not, I'll have to take on advertisers and bring on guests and so on that'll basically sell things to you. That's how it's done, and that's how really uh, even the Patriot business runs. It's a business. It has to be a business because it can't run on charity. It would flop. People just don't donate to charity, unless they get something back from it, you know, some big thing back from it, 
or makes them feel good. The World Bank or something like that, or some water takeover from some, or some country. That's what they call charity today. But to help each other uh, fight for the right kind of things for themselves, they tend not to throw a penny. That's most folk. There's a few folk out there, not many at all. So remember, you can also donate money, uh, again, by using PayPal to me at the website. You'll find out how. If you just want to put it through a straight donation, and that's really appreciated. It doesn't matter how, how little it is. doesn't matter. If there are enough people doing it, it would certainly add up at the end of the month. And we are, as I say, going through the greatest changes. Folk are oblivious to it. Most folk are oblivious to the fact that their minds are not their own and never have been. And we're back with more on this after this break. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. And it is a matrix system, really. That's why I use the analogy of of what we're living in, because we really are kept in the dark. We are trained, and we have been trained for generations through a scientific sort of indoctrination process through school, augmented by magazines and even cartoons and, of course, uh, the television, movies and dramas and so on, all on board together and, and the advertising companies, too, that give you ads for all kinds of things, are all on board with this agenda. That's why they're the first ones to use all the politically correct terms when they're promoting something new. Uh, and you say, what's that got to do with selling this car? Well, it's not that at all. It's to make sure that you're getting your indoctrination into the new system and you're adapting to it without even knowing that you are adapting to it. You simply become it. That's how you, you do it. And... I've mentioned before that the world has always been run by uh, oligarchies and uh, the most powerful psychopaths because uh, the the powerful intelligent psychopath gets to the top by slaughtering people. That's how kings and queens arose there. It wasn't because they were awfully nice folk and if people had a nice little election and put them in there as kings. No, they got there because they had big families and so on. And they brutalized those around them, they took prisoners, made them work for them in the army, and then they took other other little neighbors and so on over them, and until they became kings of nations and stuff. And after centuries, they become very acceptable people because they're, they're stinking rich, and we seem to worship the stinking rich. That's just a sad comment on truth, in fact. So... Some elections, too, of course, that did occur in the, in the 1800s in Germany and the Prussian areas, all the, the smaller princedoms, and they did vote um, wealthy merchants in, and that's where the present descendants are today of Europe, their kings and queens and so on. So they were not really long traditional um, lineage types at all, at least not that lineage that you think of as um, hereditary kings and queens. So, but anyway, they're, they're stinking rich, and I mean, that can't be disputed and there's no doubt about it, in Commonwealth countries such as Britain, Canada, Australia, New Zealand and so on, they still run the countries today. Everyone who works for the governments and anything to do with governments has to swear allegiance to the Queen and not to the country. And they call that democracy. And they say that Britain is a home of democracy. That shows you how mind control can really do a number on your head, if you believe that. But of course, too, we also know that eugenics is a big part of it, and we don't realize we've been really treated like a herd down through the ages. I always thought of the, the old Bible, Old Testament, 
and you had shepherd kings, and it wasn't really to do with sheep, it was that there were the shepherds over the people, the masses, if you like, and nothing has changed. That's why, that's why that symbol is still so important to a lot of the big societies and the various orders that are out there uh, that belong to these societies. The, the idea of shepherding the, the sheep, and the sheep, as you know, is the dumbest animal out there. Well, that's what we are. We're the sheeple, you see. You don't have to be a sheeple. You can actually decide to get out of it if you wish to and uh, start eating meat, for instance, and uh, become something else. Uh, Hopefully, you'll start thinking for yourself. It's a long process, and it's painful, too, because you have to shed all the dear, the near and dear indoctrinated uh, illusions that you've held to you, uh, and which has given you your modus operandi to, to live on for another day. You have to shed them all and just take the risk. And uh, I call it free falling. You have to say, jump in a plane without a parachute. You don't know where you're going to land. And um, that's a chance you take if you want to wake up, truly wake up and break through all of it, all of it. Because when you come out to that tunnel from underground in the dark, the land of the dead, and you see that green field there, as I say, I always use the same allegory um, as analogy, you, you will see all the minefields in front of you. And the minefields look awfully appealing. They have flags saying, come here, here's the answer. And you're trying to get right across that field to the forest where you know the answers are. But on the way, if you get tripped up and you get waylaid and you, you, you toddle off to see what this flag really says, and you, you, you'll, you'll find an awful lot of good information, absolutely. They'll keep you running in circles, fixed on one little part of the agenda forever. And some people do. They spend their whole life just putting up stuff about just the Masons or just the Order of this or just the Order of or the Vatican or whatever, and they don't go any further. They can't see there's an overreaching power that, that coordinates all of these organizations together, just like the UN does with thousands of organizations beneath it, you see. And so don't get stuck. It's difficult not to get stuck. But eugenics is a big part of it because all wealth, and this is true what Karl Marx says, it comes from the people. It comes from manufacturing and from labor. And those at the top don't do any labor, you see. Uh, they can occasionally push a pen uh, to go through university, and that's about as far as they go, or to sign laws into uh, your constitutions, etc. And your bills of rights and change everything. But in reality, they are not laboring classes. And they need you. They need you to live off of. That's what they live off, is you. Everything that adorns their beautiful little castles and their big homes and mansions and, and uh, makes sure that their Learjet's working okay all comes from human labor. And we're trained like rats to work for money. So if they run the money system, they can't fail, you see. It's as simple as that. It really is as simple as that. I, I always talk about the, the rats in a cage and how uh, experiment after experiment shows you how the rats can be trained to pull a lever for the seed. And they don't sit there all day pulling the lever, one seed after another. And then after you've trained them, you can put a whole heap of seed next to them, maybe a few inches from them, maybe six inches or a foot away from them. Uh, but they'll continue pulling that lever for the seed, you know, and they could help themselves. if they, but they don't have their own mind anymore. Their natural instincts are gone. That's how we are. We don't work uh, for ourselves. We're almost we're pretty well at the stage we're not allowed to anymore where you can just grow your gardens or grow enough food for you or your family if you even have one, because it's been made obsolete by design. And self-sufficiency is the key. Well, self-sufficiency is an enemy of the New World Order. It's the ultimate enemy. Individuality and self-sufficiency will not be tolerated in this world order. 
And whereas the masses have been awfully handy in the past to fight wars as rivaling parties were taking over each other's territory and countries and so on, and so they could steal their sheep as well and get a bigger tax base, uh, then things were okay. But you see, they've pretty well got their global system under control now. The U.S. is finishing off the last bit of conquering to do in the last few countries that wouldn't toss their religion out the window and bring in a central bank and start borrowing money. They're being standardized to do that now. That's the last bit to be achieved, really. And while they're doing that, they're changing everything back home because they don't need all of you anymore, and that's why they crashed the banks at the right time. No one lost money at the top. They lost nothing at all. In fact, they gained money, probably doubled it with all the bailouts. And um, that's why they gave you that that so-called crash worldwide. And um, now now it's a, a worldwide push to austerity. We're all across the whole entire planet. See, we're all in it together. We're all one now. We're all one. Then we have to starve together. And, and of course, out of this, and I'd say within the next five years or so, you will see the open push now, the real open push. I don't, I'm not about suggesting and little talks getting you prepared for a coming sterilization. You're going to see the clinics come out and being promoted and going to, into business. That, that will come, because that's all part of it. The herd, in other words, is to be brought down in a sort of culling spree. Nice, nice and scientific, so it's not so messy as the old days. But the end result is just as effective and perhaps even more efficient. And at the same time, you will gradually be pushed off the land through higher taxation. And what they'll say, too, they can't maintain the roads to you anymore because it's simply not sustainable. So therefore, you have to cram into cities and gradually die off there. A lot faster, mind you, because your inoculations and your GMO food will make sure that you will definitely come down with some kind of cancer. That's the norm now. And you're getting younger and younger with the cancers. So by the year 2050, which they keep talking about, the United Nations and all these big think tanks, they will have really reduced a good part of the the problem population, especially what they call the lower classes. Now, a lot of folk, too, who watch television can't believe there really is a class system anymore because they never portray it on television much. And it's a real uh, socialist-type commentary uh, that cons you into another part of the agenda for the simple followers. But here's eugenics still in action, and this is from Britain, and it came from The Guardian. It says, um, Howard Flight, who suggested welfare changes would encourage breeding amongst the less well-off, uh, was really given a dressing down, at least the, the, the appearance of a dressing down. He's a conservative leader, and uh, Cameron, of course, who's now the, the, the front man at the Prime Minister for Britain, had to at least pretend to give him a dressing down. He's still in his job, of course, and uh, because he raised millions of pounds for the for the Conservative Party. But anyway, he says, um, Downing Street was forced to distance itself from a second Conservative peer in a week after flight warned that, plan, that plans to remove child benefit from higher-rate taxpayers would deter the middle class from having children. His remarks followed the claim last week by a former Thatcherite cabinet minister that most people were better off in the recession. Uh, Lord John of Grafham was forced to resign as Cameron's enterprise advisor after suggesting that most voters had never had it so good as during the so-called recession. So poverty is good from those at the top. But as I say, um, this particular Tory peer said, yeah, welfare changes would encourage breeding amongst the less well-off. I'll put this link up for you to see. Most folk won't want to believe it because they live in a nice Hollywood 
and Disney La La Land. And, uh, and of course, they're egocentric. They'll seek pleasure, avoid pain, and bad news and things that make them feel uncomfortable are avoided. That's how it works. That's what the New Agers are awful good at. They, they're taught never to look at anything that's negative, which means it makes them feel kind of uncomfortable. That's why it's so easy to manage people today. Now, Bertrand Russell was talking about basically the psychology of the mind yesterday and how they're using big corporations and neuroscience and neuropsycholinguistics for managing the populations and how the governments are using them and employing them. And I went through some of it yesterday and the day before. And you think this is a recent thing? Well, I'll show you how old it is when I come back from after this break. We're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about how old the system is and how we've been manipulated and managed. It was much easier in the Middle Ages and right up really too. They gave us basic writing and, and arithmetic so that we could stack the factories with our bodies and be able to at least follow simple instructions and so on. It helped to manage Euro class if we did all the sums for them. But we're given a very minimalistic thing. And even, even at the time, in fact, when they gave the average person mandatory education, the minimalistic type, uh, they gave penny novels out at the same time. And the penny novels were great distractions for working-class people who lived a boring, drudging, uh, drudgery life, and it kept their minds off looking at more serious things or, or even questioning uh, higher uh, learning and so on. That's why they, they flooded the market with these things. So we've always been managed. And even then, since you, you've gone through school and so on, you don't realize that there are special schools and special universities as the Ivy League universities and any of the red brick universities as they call them in Britain that were meant for the working class types to go up into and even amongst the Ivy League type there's special selection committees up there to, to take certain people out into higher learning which you don't hear about and it's a very old system it's been like this for an awful long time because you see we're kept in the dark from real knowledge we're not supposed to know what really is ever really going on in the world or the real reasons for anything happening at, at any time. We're managed. Again, neuroscience comes into it in a big way, and they have neuroeconomics, as they call it, which is manipulation of the mind to, to change the working-class people or the majority of the bulk of the population and make them more malleable by their, their, their governing class and it's to do with massive psychology for supposed economic reasons, altering your behavior to suit the government, not the other way around. That's all underway and in working right now. It's been working for years. But it's just a very old system. And I've mentioned before some of the top players who designed this present phase that you're going through, uh, some of whom are dead now. And Bertrand Russell was one of them. And in 1931, he published this in the book, The Scientific Outlook, where he'd already gone through, mind you, um, about these different types of schools. He continues in pages 247, he says, The latest stage in the education of the most intellectual of the governing class will consist of training for research. Research will be highly organized, and young people will not be allowed to choose what particular piece of research they shall do. Now, that's a fact, because I know guys who are in research, 
Some of them leave it because they feel so stymied when they get up against something that doesn't jive with what they're supposed to, but through these repeated experiments, find out. They find out other things. And if they push it, uh, they're gradually eased out the door because they're not supposed to know the higher sciences. And this is what Russell is explaining here. He says, they will, of course, be redirected or directed to research in those subjects to which they have shown special ability. A great deal of scientific knowledge will be concealed from all but a few. There will be arcana reserved for a priestly class of researchers. That's real knowledge, the archives, who will be carefully selected for their combination of brains with loyalty. Loyalty to who? Loyalty to the system. Their betters, the party, as Orwell calls it. Well, may I think expect that research will be much more technical and fundamental. The men at the head of any department of research will be elderly and content to think that the fundamentals of their subjects are sufficiently known. Discoveries which upset the official view of fundamentals, if they're made by young men, will incur disfavor, and if rashly published, will lead to degradation. Young men to uh, whom any fundamental innovation occurs will, be made cautious, will make cautious attempts to persuade their professors to view the new ideas with favor. But if these attempts fail, they will conceal their new ideas until they themselves have acquired positions of authority, by which time they will probably have forgotten them, because now they're part of the established system. They'll know they're part of the ruling class, you see. That, that atmosphere of authority and organization will be extremely favorable to technical research, but somewhat inimical to such subversive innovations as have been seen, for example, in physics during the present century. There will be, of course, an official metaphysic, and then there's a religion for the public. A new one, of course, which is, of course, a greening thing and, and austerity and all that stuff, which will be regarded as intellectually unimportant but politically sacrosanct. In the long run, the scientific progress will diminish and discovery will be killed by respect for authority. In other words, we'll keep the, you understand that the more that you think you're learning, you're learning, uh, they can just as easily over a generation remove all the learning until you're back in the dark ages. And you'll know all they want you to know. And you'll think you know it all. It's that easy. It is that easy. To remove knowledge. You've been doing it for a long time. That's what George Orwell called the memory hole. They just kept removing selected knowledge off, off the shelves, off the shelves. Now it's just blips and computers off the go. They're not there anymore. They're gone. And you're left with uh, a, a new thing. So as the generation goes on and grows up, uh, they get into a new system thinking that, that, in fact, they're taught, isn't it amazing too, how youngsters are thought, they're taught to think that they're actually more, uh, they're, they're superior to those who went before them. It's, it's a fantastic scam, isn't it? Because most fall into it thinking, oh, well, yes, what these old folk know, I'm, I'm on the cutting edge. They have no idea that everything they're allowed to look at is put up there and authorized for them to look at, or it wouldn't be there. It's so easy to divert them off into all kinds of areas that do them no good whatsoever. But that's, that's what we're living in, scientific socialism, on behalf of the extremely rich masters. Now that's the music coming again, so we're back after this break. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, this is Cutting Through the Matrix and we're talking about really how it's so easy to control us en masse, really. Why bother trying to change the individual when the individual would change with the masses if they're all changing at the same time? And that's really how we judge our sanity. You, we'd be tossed the, the bits and bites, the bits and bites, I call it, bits and bites of news that they give us uh, between each other to see what the reactions are of those around. And if they give you the standard answers back that they've heard on television or wherever, uh, and you've got the same idea, then you all say that you're sane. We all agree, so we must all be sane. And that's how simple it is to change the masses. Why waste your time changing a person here or there? It's much more effective to do it en masse. And in the impact of science and society, Russell, you know, Russell worked with the biggest organizations on the planet to do with mind control for the masses, and he was authorized by presidents and prime ministers to help set out a system for the future world society and the different stages of it too by using all of these techniques, including the language of mathematics, by the way. He was heavily involved in computers. He was also uh, well in with members of the Vienna School, who already for centuries really, they had arcana of, of knowledge to do with mind control of the masses already. And then he joined the Macy Group too. He's put there, also authorized on behalf of prime ministers and presidents to bring in this world socialist type society to, to really dominate the public. Anyways, he goes on to say here on page 62 of the same book, 50 laid it down that education should aim at destroying free will so that after pupils have left school, they shall be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting otherwise than as his schoolmasters would have wished. But in his day, this was an unattainable ideal. What he regarded as the best system in existence produced Karl Marx. In future, such failures are not likely to occur where there is dictatorship because diet injections and injunctions will combine, so it's your food injections and injunctions, will combine from a very early age to produce the sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable. And any serious criticism of the powers that be will become psychologically impossible. Even if all are miserable, all will believe themselves happy because the government will tell them that they are so. So, you see, they're way, way ahead. And as I say, that was in the 30s and so on that that, that stuff came out. Way ahead of what you think. You think you're free because they tell you you're free. And uh, you don't realize that pretty well everything that goes on in your head, all the, the topics that, that fill your, your mind even the little quests in your brain that you go off on are given to you by powers above you. They are even unaware exist. You think that you have your own thoughts. So diet injections and injunctions will produce a sort of character. Now, here's an article here, Mail Online. It says, the apple that never goes brown. You see bioengineering biotech firm and bid to sell genetically modified fruit for lunchboxes. This is from, this is a Canadian company, apparently, but it's in the British paper. A Canadian biotechnology company has asked the U.S. authorities to approve a genetically modified apple that will not brown soon after it is sliced. Do you believe they put all this cash in to alter? Remember these geneticists too, these guys all, same with Monsanto, worked in in the, the, the biological warfare departments of governments for years. That's where it all came out of. So warfare specialists and and altering genes to alter the victims are making your food now. 
Do you really think it's all so, so that you care about that apple going brown soon after it's sliced? Do you really think that's what all this work went into that the kind of money that went into alter this apple was for? Do you really, really think that? It says the apple variety, which is being marketed as Arctic, has the genes responsible for producing the, the enzyme that induces browning, and it switches them off. Uh, the Okanagan Speciality Fruits say the new type could boost sales of apples for snacks and salads at lower costs, etc., etc., etc. Then the present the company goes on to say they look like apple trees and grow like apple trees and produce apples that look like all other apples, and when you, they cut them, they won't turn brown. You, you really believe that millions of dollars went in so that they could get an apple that didn't turn brown? I mean, how, how long do you leave an apple out once you start eating it? Hmm. So anyway... It says the U.S. Department's, uh, Department of Agriculture's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service has considered about 100 petitions for genetically engineered or modif- modified crops. Those that have drawn the most attention have been engineered to withstand certain weed killers, which of course is carcinogenic because the plants soak them up into their cells. But amongst those uh, the agency has approved are tomatoes altered to ripen more slowly. The first genetically modified crops approved in the U.S. in 1992 and plums that resist a specific virus. This is the first petition for apples. The approval process can take years and so on, so on and so on, but if they pass enough bucks under the table, it can go through pretty quickly. And of course, I added that myself, that part there. Anyway, it says flyover raised concerns about cross-pollination of conventional trees with genetically modified ones if they were planting in close proximity. He also questioned whether Arctic apples would generate enough in sales to outweigh the $10,000 to $20,000 per acre of cost of replanting. And Carter, the president, said he is confident the fruits will not harm the environment, and he submitted paperwork to the USDA and FDA to approve his point. Some people won't like it just because of what it is, he said. In the end, it's a great product, no question about it, and people will see the process and get used to it. And uh, it says it's based on very sound science. So Andrew Kimberl, executive director of the Center for Food Safety, said scientists have been saying they're only turning one thing off. That's like one gene or switch or whatever for enzyme. But that switch is connected to another switch and another switch. You can't just do one thing to nature. It's nice to think so, but it just doesn't work that way. He also said the non-browning technology appears to benefit apple growers and shippers more than consumers by allowing companies to sell apples that are older than they look. It says, a Botox apple is not what people are looking for, Kimbrough said. I'm predicting failure. Well, let's hope so, because I tell you, this stuff has more effects than they're telling you. And as I say, when you really have these guys who were, were trained for bio-warfare, trained to wipe out whole populations by slow-kill methods too, but that's one of their big ones, slow-kill methods. And now they're making your food and you're guzzling it down and you think it's all for your benefit and it's cost-effective and all the rest of it. If the, if, listen, if, if you can put that on the shelf there and bugs won't touch it, insects won't touch them, then you shouldn't eat it either because there's nothing in it of nourishing value. But there's certainly other things in it which will certainly get into your gut system and do amazing things with your body. The, the first potatoes they brought out too, of course, the, the, it's amazing too, were not allowed by law to have independent studies and all this stuff, where it take the company's word for things. This is amazing stuff. Now, Canada and Canadians, Canadians were the first ones to be tested for this. We were tested for 10 years, at least the officials say now, 
um, with GMO f- uh, foods and crops. Because the governments admitted when it, the lid blew off the whole thing, they were using the, the, the public as guinea pigs in Canada for 10 years without their knowledge because the government made secret deals with Monsanto to do so. That also meant, too, they were doing uh, studies on the health and to see what was happening to the public. But we know that stomach problems and stomach cancers have soared, just like it did in the, in the rats, of course, that were fed the potatoes. But of course, that's coincidence, isn't it? But no, they're really all there to help you, all these associations and the FDA and all that. That's, they're, they're, oh God, what am I thinking here? I'm getting paranoid. Hmm. Anyway, that's the world you really live in. And as I say, food, uh, diet, and injections and junctions, right? Bertrand Russell, 1930s. We produce the kind of character and uh, citizen that the, the ruling class wanted. That's just coincidence again, too. I'm going to put a link tonight, too, on uh, belt. It's called Belt Tightening for the U.S. Foreign Policy by the Council on Foreign Relations as they go through their debates on uh, how bad it's going to be in the U.S. They do admit it's going to get pretty, pretty bad, and the Americans don't know what's going to hit them yet. They have no idea what's going to hit them. The only reason the U.S. has been holding off on all the painful readjustments, as I like to call it, is because they're fighting the wars. It's not easy to get them to go off and fight wars and stuff as, as they really ram, ransack you even more than they've already done back home. They kind of lose support for the war. What they mean by support is really the, the people's indifference to the war. People don't really support wars anymore. They're just indifferent to it. But they can become uh, definitely aware of it when they start getting cash-strapped back home to a real bad degree. So I'll put this link up for you to peruse as well. Because this company, this organization here, this private organization, um, runs pretty well the foreign policy and the domestic policy of the U.S. and Canada. They are the guys that wanted, that drafted up the amalgamation for Europe. Uh, these are the guys who drafted up the amalgamation for the Americas. And they're into everything. I'll also put up, too, a link to Water for Life. It's interesting because you understand... What's happening in, in Cancun in Mexico is that uh, it's an economic summit, even though they call it a climate change summit. It's about redistribution of wealth. But what they really mean by it, too, is that all the big uh, international corporations, foundations, and uh, people who are investing in taking over the world's resources, including the water supply, are all there in attendance as well. And uh, Water for Life is one of them. They've got so many organizations on board Water for Life under the United Nations, of course, including Masonic Orders, big, high Masonic Orders, uh, such as the Knights of Lazarus and so on, uh, putting in millions and millions of dollars to take over the world's food, uh, water supply and their food supply. I just mentioned the food here. But uh, that's what's happening. That's why these bigwigs go to these, these international conventions. They, they hear what's coming up, what countries are to be raised to a higher status. That means all of us have to have our money and tax money funneled into those countries and match their investments dollar for dollar, or sometimes $2 of ours to every $1 of theirs. Right? It's all the sharks getting on it, under the guise of charity and helping. It's the greatest scam ever. It's wonderful, because folk never think of it. They always think, oh, they're, they're helping people, and you feel guilty, because your, your brain goes back to the default position again. Charity, charity, good, charity, good, you see. How dare you think nasty things of charity? But these charities are fronts for big organizations and investment companies. 
that take over all the world's resources. It's always been that way. Sorry to break the bad news and burst the bubble. That's how it is. And it's interesting, too, in Cancun, they picked Cancun this year around Copenhagen, because last year when they were having it, we remember that Britain went through its worst uh, winter weather storms for years, and so did, so, did they, uh, so did they actually had it in Copenhagen, too. And all these, you know, these wonderful people that you think are charitable organizations attended, all these far lefties, as you think of them, who are not really their socialist, and they're very wealthy, who arrive in big private jets and all the rest of it and get, got driven by limos, uh, stretch limos too, had to get special ferries to the, the conference last year because there was so much snow coming down as they were often discussed global warming and uh, they had to get ferried into their little meetings. And I'm sure, I'm sure they didn't have the... See, normally these stretch limos are, are stuffed with caviar and stuff. They, to make them, tie them over between the trip from the airport to the meeting place where they could then fill their mouths and, stu- and stomachs with the, the good stuff again. So the poor sods had to really... Uh, really stretch out last year as they got ferried with just ordinary cars and that back to the, over to the meetings. But this year they held it in Mexico because they knew it was warmer and they didn't want, they didn't want to goof it up again, you see. So, uh, it says here, uh, that, uh, as they're having this thing on global warming right now, it says, um, weather and climate cold warming. With unerring irony this week, the British weather delivered an early and spectacular cold blast to mark the start of the climate change talks in Can. Cancun, Mexico. Snow fell heavily in much of the country and lightly over all of it. Temperatures dropped to below minus 10 degrees centigrade. The chill might not presage another enduring severe winter like that of 2009-10, but it's already brought a familiar crop of stories about traffic turmoil and closed schools. Airports too are closed down. It might also add to Britain's scepticism about climate change already more widespread than in many other European countries. Then it says it shouldn't Right. Now, here's, here's the propaganda. See, global, global warming causes global cooling, you see. So we're going to have a mind job here. This is where the opening of 2010 is remembered by northern Europeans, Russians, and inhabitants of America's southern states as very cold. It was warm elsewhere. Now, listen, listen to this. I live in Canada, particularly so in Canada and Greenland. Last year, it poured rain. It was cloudy the whole time and cool and damp. I live here. But they're going to tell me the opposite. I should really believe them, right? Here's Orwellianism for you. Particularly so in Canada and Greenland, the average global temperature from January to March was the fourth highest on record. What rubbish? What rubbish? So this is, this is one of the reasons why 2010 as a whole seems likely to rank first or second in the list of average annual temperatures, depending on which bunch of climate scientists is doing the ranking. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so there you go. Global Global warming is causing global cooling, and uh, it doesn't matter because overall we're really warming up, apparently. And uh, regardless if you're sitting freezing there and chittering away covered in ice like I am, just, just, you know, your nice little ice pick to chink it off you so as your jaws can move, then uh, you're really warming. It's just you haven't caught up yet in your mind. You haven't adopted to the new normal of the new way of thinking. So that's what's wrong with you. And listen to this at, at Cancun. So uh, I could have laughed at all this because I read this, that Bertrand Russell thing about a new uh, religion would be created too, which would be really disregarded by the intellectuals, but, but they must go along with it and put a pretense on it for the public. And it's, of course, it's greening and all that stuff. Cancun talks with, uh, start, it talks, or the talk starts with a call to the gods. Look at the gods, right? Let's listen to this piece of stuff here. 
With United Nations climate negotiators facing an uphill battle to advance a goal of reducing emissions linked to global warming, it's no surprise that the woman steering the talks appealed to a Mayan goddess Monday. Mayan goddess, they did it awfully well. They went extinct, the Mayans. Well, anyway, there's so much of their gods. Christiana Figueres, Executive Secretary for the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, invoked the ancient jaguar goddess, Ixchil, in her opening statement to delegates gathered in Cancun, Mexico. Noting that Itchel was not only goddess of the moon, but also goddess of the re- of reason, creativity, and weaving. May she inspire you, because today you're gathered in Cancun to weave together the elements of a solid response to climate change using both reason and creativity as your tools. Oh, does that mean you feel all warm and fuzzy, eh? eh? So she called for a balanced outcome. Balanced outcome for something that's got a mission to distribute the wealth from the countries that are going under right now. Uh, to the countries it's not even going to go to the countries they tell you because it's good to corporations in those countries international corporations do you think they, they've already told you they want to reduce the populations of third world countries do you really think they want to bring them up and let them let them breed as they say hmm? do you really think so of course they don't they're liars these people and this cult of the gods this is a big show as Russell said it would be they must have a good, but they must go forth when they go in front of the public and, and say it with authority so they really believe it, you see. These, these people don't believe in anything except their own pockets and their own status and egos. These little tin pot ones like, like this woman here. But I'll put this link up too at the end of the show. Now we're back with more after this break. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, and I'm also putting a link up tonight where you'll see a doctor retracting uh, information on the H1N1 vaccine uh, after he read the insert, and he actually reads it out uh, from the computer screen, telling you what's in it, and and all the doublespeak that's in it too, and explains as a doctor why he cannot now advise nurses to take the injection without going through all this with them first. So I'll put that link up for you too. So remember, cut, look into cuttingthroughmatrix.com at the end of the show. Give me an hour and a half or so till it starts going up and have a look at that stuff for yourself. Now there's callers there. There's Tassa from Toronto. Are you there, Tassa? Oh, hi, Ed. Yes. Um, so I live here in Toronto and they have cameras up in all the buses and uh, streetcars. I did some research and as far as I can tell, I'm looking at... Uh, document from the Privacy Commissioner of Ontario, and yeah. they actually do facial recognition. And yes. I wondered if you had any comments on that. That's the same as Britain and everywhere else. We're going into a total observation society worldwide, and all it is is to train you uh, to accept them. You've been trained to accept them, and you've been trained to modify your behavior, because they know that when you're on camera, you'll, you'll never behave the same way naturally. You're not spontaneous, etc., and you're, tra- you're being trained, uh, and you're training yourself as, because you're conscious of them as well. They'll always be watched. And uh, this is going to go, go a lot further than just uh, on street corners, and on streets and stores and buses and so on. It's going to be inside your home as well. They want us. An article came out in the 1960s from the World uh, Psychologist meeting they had put out by the American Psychiatric Association or Psychological Association 
and they said eventually they want cameras in every person's home. Uh, this is an old idea. Again, Orwell had it in his uh, 1984 book uh, where you'd have a, be watched everywhere you go in your own home. You have computers now with cameras on them. You have laptops that uh, you have to tape over if you don't want to be watched. And uh, we're being trained all the time that we're nothing. We're, un- we're just, uh, this is all behavior modification and you take part in it. You participate in your own modification by allowing these cameras to be there. The, the Commissioner of Canada for Privacy and, and Britain and Australia and New Zealand, they all have them and they'll all tell you uh, that they're all, they're all supposed to legally warn you, but they have no powers to prevent it. And, and how do you think they're going to get cameras in people's houses? Uh, they've already done it in Britain. Uh, they select certain areas, and if you they say you're maybe perhaps or someone neighbour complains or, the, or some supposedly someone did complain about you, and they'll never tell if, if they did or not, they can put cameras in your home to watch you, uh, especially. This is how they, they first introduced the idea to, to prevent child abuse, to ensure that you're as good parenting and so on. And... Um, uh, this is all part of it. That's how they first brought it in. And then they started bringing it in with school laptops, where the children take the school laptops home. They've already admitted. I've done these articles a year ago where they were observing children at home uh, uh, as covertly, not telling them uh, that uh, they were being monitored and videoed from their own homes by these uh, laptops that were provided through the schools. And they're doing the same everywhere else, too. Everyone's been trained in different areas without even thinking about it. Most of them don't even think about it anymore. They just accept it. Yeah. And the cameras in the buses, are they going to use that against the people? Like, are they going to say, I don't know? Oh, they're going to make sure because eventually everyone's going to get questioned on, on their movements, their associations, and so on. And they're also monitoring you, too, in real time. And they, they match that against your phone calls, your, your texting, and so on, to see what groups you belong to, what clubs you go and visit, who you visit, and all the rest of it. They can match all that together, where you were at a certain time. It's all put into big, think, uh, big, big computers. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for calling. And uh, uh, Werner should call back maybe next Monday, hopefully. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.